You've heard how to manage. You know something about how to lead. But oh, how do you coach people? Today, how to improve your coaching with my friend Tom Henschel. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 190. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help leaders improve their communication, strategy, coaching, productivity, and personal mastery. And emphasis on the word coaching today, those of you who are very longtime listeners to the show might remember that this show used to be called Coaching Skills for Leaders. And interestingly, when I first started the show uh, almost four years ago, the show was only going to be focused on that. And I realized pretty quickly for a whole bunch of reasons that uh, the show should be a lot broader. But um, that said, you know, we obviously talk about coaching skills on the show, but I really wanted to hit this topic head on uh, on this episode because we haven't talked about it as much as we should. And this is such an important framework for leaders to be able to coach people and to utilize good skills in order to develop others. And whenever I think about coaching and good coaching skills, I can't I can't help but not think about Tom Henschel. And Tom is a friend and a fellow podcaster. Uh, those of you uh, who are part of our community who have heard him before know that he is the host and producer of the show, The Look and Sound of Leadership. And I know we have many people in the listening audience who also listen to Tom's show. It is a fabulous show. And before I even started this show, it was one that I listened to very regularly. And uh, Tom airs that once a month, and he's an executive coach here out on the West Coast of the United States and does a tremendous amount of wonderful work. And I'm really uh, pleased to welcome Tom back to the show for his, Tom, this is your third appearance now on Coaching for Leaders. It is. Always a pleasure. The pleasure is mine. I am so glad to get to talk to you because you live this every day. Your work is really centered around helping leaders to become more effective. You are an executive coach. You're in the trenches. You're having conversations consistently. And so I thought, who better to talk about coaching with than you and really looking at what should we know as leaders about coaching and uh, and, and what are some of the things that we can keep in mind? And I think we're going to look at a few different uh, models here today. Um, but, uh, you know, I think maybe to start off is how does this, when you're coaching leaders, Tom, how does this come up? Is this something that that you bring up? Is it something that other people bring up um, as far as getting better at this skill? Or is it something that's not on people's radar screens at all? It's often not. And what's interesting to me when, when I do need to talk with people about it, they're in such a different place. You know, they are the boss and suddenly they need to coach their people. I've got a, a woman right now where her boss has kind of made it a mandate of like, I want all my people to be coaching their people. So the woman I'm coaching, we and I've, she and I have gotten to talk about it, but she's also their boss. So there's the question of, well, what's coaching and what's managing? And, mm. you know, everybody's day is so full already. It's like, oh my gosh, I now I have to do this thing called coaching. And it's very different, I think, than you and I who are focused on being helpers. We're focused on people's development every day. That's not what most leaders are doing. So I think it's a mind shift for people. 
Well, this this begs the question, and one I'm really curious about from your perspective, Tom. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Is just how do you see how do you see the distinction between coaching and management, and maybe things like training? Are are those distinctions you make in your mind and you make with the people you work with, um, or is there a different way of looking at it than that? I do make a distinction. So. Uh, it's funny, within the space of 24 hours, I heard it from two different people and they were so similar, but I went, oh, one is management and one is coaching. So with one person, he leads a team, he had somebody on his team who just kind of, he was trying to rearrange his day. He was trying to come in earlier than everybody else and skip a lunch so that he could leave at like 2.30 in the afternoon. And the boss, the guy that I was coaching, the boss was going like going, He's got it all wrong. He's got to like fix that. Well, that's a management issue. You know, the boss just needs to go in and say, that's not the kind of the rules of the game. It's not how we do it. And he may do some dialogue back and forth about what's behind it. But the truth is, it's just a management issue. The guy can't do that. Right. 24 hours later, I'm talking to a woman who runs a team. She's in Washington, D.C. And she's talking about her vice president who her concern is he wants to stop working at five in the afternoon. And she said, you know, that's not going to work for a vice president in this organization. He doesn't understand what it's like to be a VP. Now, both of them in some ways were about the hours worked, mm-hmm. but her issue with her vice president, that was a coaching issue because he's thinking wrong about his job. So it becomes a coaching issue over time where they really need to do a whole lot of talking and he actually needs to shift how he thinks about something. It becomes a development issue. So I think that's oh. when coaching kicks in is when it's a development issue. Interesting. So it's the process of helping someone to really develop their skill set in order to be more effective in their work versus a a uh, rule or a you know you know a policy question. It might be a skill set, but it also might be a way of thinking. So, for example, <laughs> a skill set. Um, one of the leaders I'm coaching has a direct report, who has some quirky behavior in meetings. She kind of licks her fingers and twirls her pen and plays with her hair. Those are skills, but it's actually a development issue. It's a kind of executive presence issue. Mm. And uh, what I said to the leader I'm coaching is, you're going to talk to her about this for a long time. It's a development issue. And you also need to kind of find out, you know, What's behind it? What's going on? What's in her head? Because somehow she's not thinking about her role, about being in the meeting and kind of being an, an executive on the corporate stage. And so is that where the ongoing conversation is, is it's not necessarily just the behavior that's happening, but it's like you said earlier, it's almost like the mindset that's behind that behavior of, of addressing that and talking about that and also, also ultimately influencing change there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when I think coaching is at its most robust. Mm-hmm. I think if it's just an issue of you're not on time for the meetings, that's not a coaching issue. That's a management issue. That woman just needs some feedback and they need, there needs to be an agreement. But yeah, this idea of you know, you're not showing up in meetings in a way that actually works for you. I'd like to talk with you about this over time. That's a coaching issue. Got it. Got it. Okay. So assuming we're at that point where we are able to make that distinction how do you help people start with this? Like, what are some of the logistics about just entering into that kind of a conversation? And and, and particularly if I am the manager, um, 
where do I start with that? Like, especially if I haven't done it before. So the first thing is, I think coaching needs good goals. It's not an open-ended process like, you know, kind of loose and, oh, we're just going to see where it goes. It's like, no, I think coaching, especially in the corporate setting, we need an agreement. So what are the goals going to be? So it might be any of the things we've already talked about. You know, I need you to think differently about what it means to be a vice president in this organization. Or, you know, I really want to think about how you show up in meetings. And it's not just about what comes out of your mouth, but how you are at the table. Those kinds of things where I'm going to actually introduce a goal for you. And I, in my own head, am going to agree that this is going to be, it's going to be over time. And I just have to laugh because so many of the people that I coach are results-oriented and they want it to be quick. Like, can't I just give her the feedback and be done with it? Like, mm. no, I'm sorry. You can't. If only it's it, if only it worked that way, you and I would, uh, <laughs> our jobs would be a lot easier, wouldn't they? Yeah, we might be out of a job. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. That's but, true. But yeah, I, I think that, the, so the, the two things that I'm putting forward here in terms of where do you start, number one is in your own head, as the leader who's going to coach someone, you need to get it clear what are the goals so you can articulate it. And maybe even it's singular. I want to talk about one goal, one thing with you. And then to commit to it over time. And one of the suggestions that I give people is to say, you know, you and I are going to talk about this between now and your next performance review. Hmm. And now I've already set up, you're going to get feedback about it at the end of the year. Now, you and I are going to talk about it a lot between now and then, but it's in your performance review. Now there's duration to it. And how do you help leaders, Tom, to frame the goal as a result versus a process? Because I think that that's, for me, something that I find is, is a hard distinction for some people is, okay, we're not just going to talk about your presence in the meetings, but what's the end result we actually want to get to in that dialogue? Um, do you find that a struggle for people too? And and if so, do you do you do something that helps them to to frame that better? I often ask people to imagine it on video, and basically, what I'm really trying to get people to do is to make it measurable. Mm. You know, what's it going to look like if it were different? If they were doing it right, what would it look like? Describe it to me. Well, she wouldn't be licking her fingers. Well, she wouldn't be playing with her hair. It's like okay, great. And sometimes it's I don't know respectful behavior to which I go, Hmm, that's pretty, that's admirable, but it's not specific yet. It's certainly not measurable. What is, what does that mean? And again, if they were going to write a performance review, they could probably write about it, which is why I say, don't, don't start the conversation until you've had some time to think about it. But the, the short answer to your question, Dave is think about it as if it were on video, what would it look like if it were better? So, so visually describing it, and I, I like that. I like that that analogy, by the way, because like I can I can see that, and as I as I think about a video, I could articulate the kinds of things I'd want to see and hear from somebody based on a video, and then right. have a conversation about it. You also, by the way, might be able to picture on a video the things you don't want, um, which is really helpful. Like currently, yeah. I see you licking your fingers. I don't want to see that. It's not helpful, and and I might end up talking about why, but that's all the goal setting stuff. Okay, fair enough. So once people have done a little bit of that, and by the way, I love the advice of thinking that through yourself first <laughs> before yeah, you start right. before you start having that conversation. Um, 
as that starts to happen, I know one of the things that you're a big believer on is mindset, the leader's mindset as far as what they're doing with this. And I think one of the things you've already said falls into that is that this is not just a this is not just a one-time conversation. This is an ongoing dialogue we're going to have. Um, what, in addition to that, what are the things around mindset that 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 we need to shift or we need to be present to in order for this to work well? Yeah. Well, here it comes. This is the biggie. This is, I think, the hump that is so hard to do. Four words. It's not about you. And here's, so picture this, imagine that I'm managing you, right? And I'm going to talk to you about, I don't know, your executive presence or respectful workplace behavior or whatever I'm going to talk about. But I've gone away and I've thought about it. It was important enough to me to even think about it. Like I'm going to have to coach Dave on this and it's probably not something I'm dying to do. So I'm already feeling a little burdened by it. Maybe even a little victimized. Like I wish I didn't have to talk to him about this stuff. I wish he would just fix it or whatever. I've got a lot of junk already. I've got attitude. It's important to me. Your success is tied up with my success. Like my boss is ragging on me that you're not being respectful or whatever. So I, I've already got a lot of energy about you fixing this. Mm. That is not a helpful way to enter the coaching contract. So for you and me, really, truly, as coaches, in our real roles, Dave, the truth is I walk into people all the time and I say, so this is what your boss wants you to do. Like, I don't know. What do you think? And I don't care. I don't care whether they do it or not. And that's actually really helpful for me. I'm not invested. I don't care what they say about it. I don't care what their opinions are about it. I'll take them wherever they are. I think it's very hard for the boss to have that kind of neutrality with their direct report. So, I admit that this is a challenge for leaders, but I want to say if you're really going to coach your people, you have to get unplugged. You have to be willing to think, this is not about me. This is their development. And they may not hit the mark. They may not get that raise. They may not be able to stay in this job. They may not be able to do what I'm asking them to do. And that won't be a reflection on me. That is hard to do. I agree that that's hard. Why is it important for us to unplug like what happens if we don't do that well Mm. then it's going to be i'm going to try and convince you dave don't you understand why it's so important you can't lick your fingers in the meeting don't you understand right like i'm all invested now and i'm going to try and persuade you well coaching is not a persuasive process by the way that might work you and i might be able to have an intellectual conversation where i persuade you That's just, now it's just feedback and that's not coaching. The truth is the coaching process is helping someone understand from their own point of view why it would be in their benefit and make a change that probably other people have asked them to do before. Mm. Um, I think you and I talked about this the first time we talked about feedback. So that's over a year ago now, right? I mean, it is. we talked about the idea that I approach these conversations assuming that you've heard the feedback before. Well, if that's true, right? Like I'm going to give you this feedback and say, you know, you need more executive presence and you might be willing to say, yeah, I know, I know. I've heard that from other bosses too. And, you know, gee, sometimes I, my wife even tells me that. If I'm going to get a different result from you this time, 
well, why? How am I going to get a different result? It's not going to be by just intellectually persuading you. You're probably already intellectually persuaded. That's why the coaching is so helpful. If, if you're willing to walk next to me instead of push me, that's, that's going to be a different process. And one that most of us haven't been trained to do as managers, isn't it? Because we're, we're, we're right. trained to command and control, you know, at least cl- classically, a lot of us have been. And now we're, we know that, okay, that's not always the best way to do it. <laughs> you know, leading is about influence and persuasion and setting a vision. And yet, like you said, coaching is, is, is different than that because we're, we are disconnected in a way. And yet, you know, we do, <laughs> we are counting on that person to come along with us in a lot of situations. That That's a hard thing for a lot of, a lot of us to do, isn't it? It is. So, I've got two, there two images that help me because by the way, when I get in with someone and I'm, you know, even if I've been reading their feedback before I give it to them, I get invested, I, you know, so I have to remind myself too, it's not about me. The coaching may or may not succeed. And by the way, I've often got skin in the game. Like sometimes it's my first time coaching in an organization and I want the coaching to look fantastic. I want more work. I want them to like me, blah, blah, blah. But I have to get disconnected. So I've got two images that help me stay disconnected. One is, these actually both involve my teenage daughter. My teenage daughter, whose name is Julia, has a gift with animals. We were out in a forest one day. We were rock climbing with a guide in Georgia. And there were these butterflies And they came to her, not to me and not to the guide. And she actually kind of knew what to do with them. So as she was like handling them, more came to her. And I looked at the guide and went, couldn't you do this? And he was like, this has never happened before. We have wild rabbits in our neighborhood. These are wild rabbits. They run from everybody. But they don't run from her. And she can actually, with patience, get them to come to her and she can feed them and pet them. It's amazing. She has this gift. I've seen her do it with horses. I've seen her do it with dogs. I've seen her do it with squirrels. Oh, interesting. So what I observe with Julia and animals is, number one, an extraordinary amount of patience, but an amazing amount of focus on the animal that she seems to know when she can move forward. She seems to know when to wait and let them come to her. She is completely focused on that other creature. And when I think about that, and I think about myself as the coach and my client, whoever I'm coaching, as the animal, you know, it really helps me be patient. I don't know if this person's going to be receptive. I don't know how fast I can go. I don't know if they even want to do the work. I need to pay attention and stop making it about me, which is, hey, I need you to do good so that the coaching works. And really look at you and go, are you receptive to the feedback? Are you not? And again, just two quick things. I have two kind of barometers that I have when I deliver feedback reports is the person who reads the feedback looks up at me and goes, okay, what do I need to do? They're completely on board. I can just walk right up to them and pet them, right? Mm. And the person who wants to debate the feedback with me. 
And sometimes for three or four sessions, they are going to debate the feedback. I cannot approach them yet. They're not ready. They are not receptive. That's not about me. That's like Julia with the animals. And I am willing to bet that's where you do some of your best work, Tom, is to step back when you need to and to allow people the time that they need to process something. And know that it's not about me. I mean, I have to remind myself, by the way, especially when it's like the fourth time and we're still debating the feedback, I must confess by the time I'm walking to my car, I'm going like, really? Really? Is this what we're doing? But I don't do that in the room with them. So I am, I'm willing to be in the room with them and appear completely non-judgmental, completely patient. I'm happy to do whatever it takes in order for me to approach you. And that gets me to the second image. And this image, uh, uh, this image basically is about perspective taking, which is a hard thing to do. But my daughter and I, we do a lot of national parks together. And we were about to climb this hillside that was, we were, it was a sunny day, but the hillside was all forested. So it was dark and beautiful. And we could already feel that it was cool in this hill that we were going to climb. And, and we were about to enter the forest. And my, my daughter says, dad, look at this. And I look at her and she's pointing behind us. And when we turned around, it was this sunny plain that led to the ocean. It was a coastal plain. And it really was radically different. It was, it was really literally like two completely different sceneries. So one was sunny and bright and flat and very little uh, growing on it and the ocean. And the other was deep forest, dark forest, cold and green and shadowy. And it was like two different places. And what my daughter said was, can you imagine two people standing here looking and over one shoulder, you see coastal plain. And over the other shoulder, you see forest. And the first person goes, wow, that's really beautiful forest. And the other person would go, are you crazy? It's the ocean. And they would <laughs> yeah. never agree. And I thought, that's perspective taking, right? <laughs> For sure. So I think often as a leader, if I want you to you know, have better executive presence in meetings, I'm looking at it as something outside of me and outside of you. It's a third thing between us where I look and I go, you need to be better in those meetings, Dave. Come on. You know, our, our senior vice president's in there. and Dave, come on, think about it. Just get real. Executive presence, man, you know, stop playing with your hair. Well, it's outside me, and I'm picturing it outside you. What I haven't done is I haven't approached you like you're the rabbit, right, and shifted my perspective so I'm shoulder to shoulder with you looking at this thing. Mm. And you and I are now both looking at the same scenery. You and I are both looking at the coastal plain or we're both looking at the forest. But I'm looking at it through your eyes like, Dave, when you think about executive presence in meetings, when you think about like licking your fingers and kind of not paying attention, what does it look like to you? So that I can take your perspective instead of telling you about it from the outside. Oh, I love it. I love those images. They're hard. They're so hard. Oh, you know, and sometimes the, like these, you know, those are, it's a simple message, but it's not easy. And I, and I really appreciate you saying, Tom, too, 
like at that fourth meeting, you being out running to the car and be like, really? <laughs> and that, you know, <laughs> you're a human being too. I mean, in my mind, like anytime I, you know, listen to your show, I'm like, oh, you know, Tom is this, you know, perfect executive coach. He's got it all figured out. And in the reality is, is that we all are human beings. We all are going to be frustrated. We're going to struggle with this. Um, but to make that conscious effort of like, okay, yes, acknowledge that, but set that aside for the, you know, before or after or, but, but not the moment you're there that, that, that be present with that person, look at things from their perspective and to meet them like your daughter does with the animals. And if you can, if you can do that, that you, you understand so much more substantially and you and you earn trust to help guide someone and to get that permission to be able to develop them in a more substantial way. Agreed. And you know, if if imagine if you're the boss and you've got pressures on you and you know the emails are piling up in your inbox and you're gonna be up till ten o'clock tonight, you know, writing that proposal and that thing that your boss wants and the slide deck for next week. And you've got all that. I understand why it's really hard to imagine yourself taking the time to get out of your own perspective. And I'm going to try and see this from Dave's point of view. And it's like, it's hard. It's really hard when the day is clicking by and I barely have time to put this on my calendar. So I, I, my heart goes out to the leaders who have to do this. The truth of the matter is you and I are paid to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm paid to go in that room and be patient. I'm paid to go in that room and take the guy's perspective. Oh, it's hard for leaders. It is. And I, you know, one of the perspective shifts I know was helpful to me is reading leadership books and, and, and I've always been interested, Tom, how many successful leaders and even in large corporations who do devote and a lot of their time to to this, to coaching and, and and development, and do really perceive that that's what they're paid for also, in addition to all the other work that a leader does, the strategy, the vision, the communication, all the other aspects of leadership. And so, I mean, one of the things I, I certainly hope for all the people who are part of our audiences is that they do see coaching as part of their job because I think that sometimes for a lot of leaders, it only seems part of the job when it's a problem and I need to deal with it. But that really, it should be part of the ongoing conversation and dialogue in a lot of professional capacities. That would be a wonderful conversation for your listening community. Do people see coaching as part of their jobs and do they have time for it? I mean, that's a great question. I just want to put in my little two cents about it, which is the, I, I, at the beginning of our conversation today, Dave, I, I said, I've got this woman who is being told by her boss, you need to be a coach for your people. And, and that senior leader is telling all her people, I, you need to be coaching more. This is actually in an HR group. And the woman I'm coaching, bless her heart, is highly results oriented. She cranks out a ton of work for the corporate HR function. And she's not terribly patient around development. It's fascinating to me because, you know, I think we often think about HR people as being kind of touchy feely and, you know, really kind of willing to have those conversations. And she is very impatient with it. So she's kind of my, a, a really good reminder for me that, and by the way, and she's female. So we often think, oh, well, women are better at this than men and you know, all that. And it's like, she is so not the stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I wonder if she is more like the people in your coaching community listeners or not. Uh, I just wonder. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder too. And I, 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 f- I am, I'm often, I do find that I'm still often surprised, Tom, that a lot of leaders don't see this as part of their regular role uh, until there is a problem or something comes up, there's feedback that needs to happen. And, and I also find that the people who have made that shift really can do some extraordinary things um, and, and really, really have some amazing relationships with people. And those are the kinds of people that you'll talk to someone and they'll say, oh, I had this great boss 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And, mm-hmm. and when you start asking, and one of my favorite questions to ask people, by the way, when we're talking about leadership is, what's the best leader you ever had? Mm-hmm. And, and to have some conversation about that, have them identify what are some of the things. And it seems to me that one of those things often is the kinds of things we're talking about today. That someone who is willing to come alongside and stand shoulder to shoulder and really invest in someone and, ha- and ha- for how, whatever reason was able to develop that skill to do that and, and did that in some way for someone. Uh, that, that is, that's really powerful for people. And sadly, it's not that common. That's why, you know, you, you, it's not. you hear uh, about, you know, someone like, oh, is this one person 20 years ago? <laughs> well, but I think most of us were not trained in relationship skills. I mean, I know that all the skills that I have, that I bring to not only my family, but, you know, my work and all that, those are all skills I've learned as an adult. I wasn't mm. taught them in my family of origin. I, I wasn't even taught them as a young adult. I certainly didn't learn them you know, in my actor training at the Juilliard School. And I, I mean, they weren't teaching us relationship skills. I had, those were hard won. Um, really, those were, those were difficult. And by the way, I didn't have them when I entered my marriage. You know, and I mean, I really had to fight for those skills. And a lot of people aren't rewarded for those skills. They're rewarded for being smart. They're being rewarded for being fast. They're rewarded for cranking out good work or being highly competitive. Um, you know, it, it's tough. So uh, my, my heart goes out to people. I can imagine that there's many people listening to this podcast going, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds admirable. It's not what I do. Yeah. Or I don't have the time because it does take time. Uh, it, it, if I if I may, can I shift us into talking about the last little piece today, which is some skills, please, to help with this, please? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that is part of the challenge. Is you know, a lot of organ, like you said, Tom, a lot of organizations don't value this. And so, what are what are some of the things we could do, maybe that would help to develop this? Well, so if you've got this mindset that, hey, I want to try and approach them the way they need to be approached, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to try and go shoulder to shoulder so that I can look at it through their eyes and do perspective taking. Then (laughs) one of the things that you have to do as a skill is let them go first. And let me just say what I mean by that. So if I'm going to coach you on, let's say, improving your relationships with your peers, I need to set the goal. I need to tell you the video. That's my job. Right. So, Dave, uh, between now and our next performance review, I want to talk with you about improving the relationships with your peers. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And here's a way that you didn't do it last week that I saw, and here's what the video would look like if you did. Now, it would be really natural for me to keep talking. I've been down the road probably. 
uh, maybe I've got a war story or I've got a, you know, I think you could really get a a promotion if you could do this. Like I've got lots to say about it. But I want to suggest that once you as the leader set out the goals, then let them go first for quite a long time. And how, what does that mean? It means stop talking and ask an open-ended question. Now, I'm guessing that on coaching for leaders that you have probably talked about open-ended questioning versus closed-ended questioning. We have. I'm, I'm guessing you have. But I also want to say I think there are good and bad open-ended questions in this situation. Ah, okay. Say more about that. So I'm going to say to you, hey, relationships with your peers, here's what the video looked like last week. That's not good for you. Here's what I think the video would look like. What do you think about that, Dave? Now, that's an open-ended question. What do you think about that, Dave? I don't think it's a good open-ended question, and here's why. It asks you to comment on my feedback. Hmm. It asks you to give a commentary about the goal. I think what's a really helpful coaching question is one that allows you to respond however you want to respond. But I'm not going to put you in a box and say, comment on that, on my idea. Because by the way, then it's still about me, Mm. right? Yep. But I'm going to ask you something completely neutral, like, gee, Dave, what does all that sound like to you? And I have no idea how it sounds to you. I'm not asking you to comment. I'm just saying, where are you right now? What does that sound like to you? Interesting. Yeah. It, and then, and, and then the other one say, does, the other one sounds more leading now that you've said the second one. I could see how that could be not as helpful. And you're not, you're not really looking at it from their perspective. Mm hmm. Well, and I don't even know what their perspective is yet, right? I've just introduced the topic. Yeah. Right. So here's the topic better relationships with your peers. Your turn. And so I let you go first from the very beginning. And this is where I get the image that I'm Julia approaching the rabbits. I have no idea. Maybe you're going to say, that's ridiculous. Maybe you're going to say, oh, you know, my parents used to tell me that when I was a kid. I mean, I don't know where you're going to go. And wherever you're going to go, I'm still not going to have anything to say about it. Mm. I'm going to just keep asking you, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Just like you did to me. Tell me more about that, Mm, right? Yeah. I am not going to go first. This is what I call earning the right to give advice. Ah, and you you said something a minute ago of that might happen for a while. That might not just be a question or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so how long is a while? We've got between now and our next performance (laughs) review. Oh, so this could be months. Could be. Could be. So maybe I'm just going to let you talk about that for five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes. And, and I'm going to say to you, those are really interesting thoughts. Listen, we'll talk about this again next week. I'm interested to hear how you think about it next week. Mm. And I've not said anything. And you come back next week and I go, so what's it, what are you thinking about since last week? And I still don't have anything, you know, like, look, the truth is I gave you the feedback. I told you what it looked like you know, something I saw in the hallway or whatever, and I've given you the image for what I'd like it to look like by December, why do I need to keep talking? Yeah. Why do I need to be the expert about this? Oh, interesting. So and that's, okay. by the way, uh, pardon me, if I'll just finish. Yeah, that's please. why I think it's coaching as opposed to managing. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Okay, so I know the practical question that that people are wondering and people who are handling this right now this week is like, okay, so how do I know 
when to step back in? Like, how do I know to move beyond that that phase where they go first and then to be helpful at the next step? If my real goal is to stand shoulder to shoulder with you so that I can see it the way you see it, that's when I'll get to have a conversation with you about it because now I have no judgment. Now I go, oh, that's really interesting, Dave. You know, that happened to me. That happened to me with my brother-in-law. I got to tell you about this conversation. And now we're just in a conversation. Mm. Once I can actually imagine myself looking at it with you, I think I've earned the right. Because now I'm not looking at it from the outside saying, no, Dave, you don't understand. Because when I'm coming from that point of view, I'm clearly not shoulder to shoulder with you. No, I'm in a persuasive argument with you. Ah, got it, got it. And so if to continue the analogy, if they're facing the ocean and I'm facing the forest, I'm not trying to get them to face the forest. Yes, I am. Now, well, but first I'm turning to face the ocean with them, right? Right. And then we're coming to turn to face the forest together. Right, right, right. But they're viewing this issue of relationships with peers by looking at the ocean, the coastal plain, right? And I'm I'm like going, oh, I see what you see. That's interesting. And at some point I'm going to say, do you, by the way, do you know there's a forest behind us? (laughs) Right. And you're going to go, you're crazy. And I'm going to go, well, I thought you were going to say that. But no, there, there really is a forest behind us. I've seen it. I know it's there. I'd love to show it to you. By that time, I've earned the right because I'm looking at your coastal plain and I'm not denying that the plain is there. Because mm. that's what happens when we, when we can't take someone else's perspective and we're fighting for our own. Is I'm denying your perspective. No, you don't understand. That's a denial. And this is the part that almost nobody does, Tom, is they stand looking at the forest and the other person's looking at the ocean and they demand that they turn around and look at the forest. And like you said, sometimes that works and it produces the results, but it's not coaching. Coaching is meeting them where they are and then coming around together. Right. And look, I mean, we've all done it where we, you know, the conversation's over. We go to our next person. We go, you wouldn't believe what she just said to me. Do you know what she thinks? She thinks there's an ocean out there. She's nuts. Right? And we deny their entire point of view, their entire reality. And, and we do that. Like, why would she do that in a meeting? We ask those questions of people. Why would she do that? Well, for her own reasons. Why don't you find out what they are? So uh, just to stick with the skill building, going back to that, which is the open-ended questions that are completely neutral, that earn the right to advise, that's the skill that we're talking about. So I would say to your listening community, go back to the episodes around open-ended questioning. Um, I, I don't know. I'm guessing you may have talked about it more than once. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'll put a link to the resources in the show notes here. And also the past couple of times that Tom's appeared on the show, he mentioned the feedback episode, which was 107 uh, when you last appeared, Tom. You know, this is this is great, Tom. I, I love the two images that you've presented us. And just thinking about that from the standpoint of how do I meet people where they are, appreciate their perspective, and then work with them to help them to get to where they're going to go that's ultimately going to benefit both of us. And, um, and if, you've, you've fa- if you've found this helpful, I mean, this is the, ki- this is the kind of thing that Tom does on his show. Um, every 
every, um, I guess it's the first Thursday of the month, Tom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Every first Thursday of the month, Tom airs a show and it is a, it is a window into an executive coaching conversation. And I have always found it to just be masterful how you put together these topics and conversations, Tom, and really utilize good analogies. Um, tell us a little bit more about the show for those people who aren't familiar with it already and how folks can track you down. The Look and Sound of Leadership is the name of the podcast. It also, if people want to subscribe and get it in email, they can do that. Uh, it's in iTunes. It's in Stitcher. It's also on my website. My company is Essential Communications, and our website is EssentialCom, with two M's, dot com. And the one this month that went up at the beginning of April was... Exactly this. It it was so timely that you and I did this because it actually has those two images, Julia with <laughs> with the bunnies and the coastal plain image. Um, and you and I have gotten to go actually way more in depth, but that's the look and sound of leadership. Fabulous. It's, it's, by the way, it's only usually what, 12 minutes, 14 minutes, something like that. It so is. It, yeah, it is. It's very short. I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it. it's a great compliment to this show. Definitely listen. There are there are virtually no leadership pod, other leadership podcasts I listen to on a regular, consistent basis, just from you know time and resources standpoint. But I always listen to Tom's because it's always so helpful. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. And if you are looking for a coach in your organization for one of your leaders or colleagues or direct reports. Uh, I certainly would recommend checking out Tom's site because he's a, a wonderful resource for your organization. And as you can tell, is very skilled in doing this. Tom, thank you again for your wisdom. Uh, it's just a great uh, opportunity to work with you, my friend. And uh, I can't wait till our next conversation again. Same here. Thanks a million. I love the image of the ocean and the forest, and it's been a couple of weeks since Tom and I recorded this conversation, and now reflecting back, I've I've referenced this image a couple of times already, just in my thinking of approaching people, and I found it really helpful, and I hope that you have found it helpful as well. And I'm also remembering from the conversation, too, those two questions that Tom had for us, our community. Do you see coaching as part of your job? And do you have the time for it? And I'd really be interested in what you think about those two questions. And I hope you'll go on to the show notes and uh, comment on that if you have a moment to join the conversation. You can do that at coachingforleaders.com slash 190. I'd like to know if you feel that coaching is part of your job and do you have time for it? And it'd be interesting to hear what the different thoughts are on that in our community. And while you're online, I also hope you'll consider submitting a question for next week's Q&A show. That's going to be episode number 191. And uh, to submit a question, the best way to do that is by audio at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. You can record right there on that page, and you can even listen to it before you submit it. So send in your question, and the topic for the episode is around books. So anything related to books, how you're using books for your learning, book recommendations, uh, maybe you even have a recommendation for our community of, of a book that's been really helpful to you in your development as a leader. 
I would love to hear it. So definitely get in that feedback. Again, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the best way to do that. And I also hope that you'll join my weekly leadership guide. It's delivered to your inbox on Wednesday and includes my thoughts and recommendations on the best articles, podcasts, videos, and books that will support your development between the shows. And I also have a brief overview and link to all the show notes each week. So if you listen on the go like me, it'll give you a good way to follow up. And I'll also send you, when you join the Weekly Leadership Guide, the access to get my downloadable list of the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries from each of those books. So if that would be helpful to you, as well as a video that goes along with that, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and that is the best way to get access to that, and I look forward to talking with you on Wednesdays as well. And finally, our community member spotlight. I don't have one for you this week. I didn't want to go too long on the episode here. I wanted to get in all of Tom's thoughts, but I hope that you will take a moment as well. If you've been listening to the show for a bit and you'd like to be featured as a future member spotlight, you've been hearing those on the shows over the last uh, six to seven episodes, go to coachingforleaders.com slash spotlight and you'll get all the information you need on how to be featured as a future member spotlight. So again, coachingforleaders.com slash spotlight. Take a moment to do that this week. And I would love to consider featuring you in a future episode. Have a great week. And I look forward to talking with you on the Q&A show with Bonnie next week. Take care.